The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Chapter 4 Mr. Badger. They waited patiently for what seemed a very long time, stamping in the snow to keep their feet warm. At last they heard the sound of the slow shuffling footsteps approaching the door from the inside. It seemed, as a mole remarked to the rat, like someone walking in carpet slippers that were too large for him, and down at heel, which was intelligent of mole, because that was exactly what it was. There was a noise of a bump shot back when the door opened a few inches, enough to show a long snout and a pair of sleepy, of sleepy blinking eyes. Now, the next time, now the next time this happens, said a rough, such a voice, I shall be exceedingly angry. Who is this time? Who is it this time? So people on such a night speak up. Oh, oh, Badger, said Rat. Look, there's him, mate, please. It's me, Rat. My friend Mole, we lost our way to the snow. What, Ratty? In my dear little man, exclaimed the Badger, in quite a different voice. Coming along in both in both of you at once. Why, must you must be perished. Why, I never lost, lost in the snow? In the world, would too, and this time of night, but, but come in with you. Two animals tumbled over each other in their eagerness to get inside, heard the door shut behind them with great joy and relief. The badger, who wore a long dressing gown, his slippers were indeed very tall down the hill, carried a flat candlestick. His paw had probably been on his way to bed when their summons sounded. He looked kindly down on them and patted both their heads. This is not the sort of night for small animals to be out, he said apparently. I'm afraid you've been up to sum up your pranks again, Ratty. But come along, come into the kitchen. There's a first-rate fire there, and supper and everything. He shoveled on in front of them, carrying the light. They followed him, nudging each other, and anticipating still away down a long, gloomy, and, to tell the truth, decidedly shabby passage, in a sort of central hall, at which they could dimly see Another long channel, like passages, branching passages, mysterious and without apparent end. But there were doors in the hall as well, stout, open, comfortable-looking doors. One of these had badger flung open, and once they found themselves in all the glow and warmth of a large fire-lit kitchen. The floor was well warm with brick. On a wide heath burnt a lot of fire and logs. Between two attractive chimney corners, tucked away in the wall, went up the very suspicion, a draught, a couple high-backed settles, facing each other on either side of the fire, gave further sitting accommodations. The socially disposed, in the middle of the room stood a long table, plain balls placed on the trestles, it benches down each side, and at one end of it were an armchair stood pushed back, there spread the remains of Badger's plain but ample supper. Bows of spotless plates winked when the shelves of the dresser at the far end of the room from the rafters overheard. Overhead hung ham, bundles of dried herbs, nets of onions, baskets of eggs. Seeing a place where heroes could fitly feast after victory, where many wearied harvesters could line up in scores along the table and keep their harvests home. In mirth and song, or where two or three friends of simple taste could sit about 
they please and eat and smoke and talk in comfort and contentment. The roady brick floor smiled up at the smoky ceiling. The oaken settles touched shiny with their long, wet, strange, cheerful glances. With each other, plates on the dresser grinned at the pots on the shelves. Merry firelight flickered and played over everything without distinction. A kindly badger thrust them down on the settle. They toast themselves on a fire, bade them remove their wet coats and boots. They fetched them dressing gowns and slippers, and himself bathed their mother's skin with warm water and mended the cut with sticky plaster. The whole thing was just as good as new, not better. Bracing light and warmth, warm and dry at last. Their weary legs propped up in front of them and a shifted clink of plates being arranged on the table behind. It seemed the storm-driven animals, now in safe armour for anchorage, that a cold and trackless wildwood just, was just outside with miles and miles away. All they had suffered in half, in it a half-forgotten dream. When at last they were thoroughly toasted, about just summoned them to the table, where he had been busy laying a repast. They had felt pretty hungry before, but when they actually saw at last the supper that was spread for them, really it seemed only a question what they should attack first, where where all was so attractive, whether the other things would obligingly wait for them till they had time to give them attention. Conversation was possible for a long time, but when it was when it was slowly resumed, it was a gradual sort of conversation. Results from talking. Your mouth full. Badger didn't mind that sort of thing at all, nor did he take any notice of elbows on the table, only speaking at once. He did not go into sight of himself. He had a, got an idea that these things belonged to things. It didn't really matter. We know, of course, that he was wrong and took too narrow a view because it do matter very much, though it would take too long to explain why. He sat in his armchair ahead of the table. Not a gravely intervals that the animals told their story. He did not seem surprised or shocked or anything. He said, never said, I told you so, or just what I always said. Oh, he marked what ought to be have done so-and-so, or not to have done so anything else. I began to feel very friendly towards him. The supper was really finished at last. Every animal felt that his skin was blown. Now as tight as was decently safe. By the time he didn't care hang for anyone, anything, they gathered round the growing embers of the great wood fire. I thought how jolly it was to be sitting up so late and so dependent, so full. After that, they had chatted for a time about things in general. The badger said hotly, Now, Turk, then, tell us the news from the real part of the world. How's old Toad going on? Oh, from bad to worse, said the rat gravely, while the mole cooked on an acetyl. And basking in the firelight, his heels higher than his head, took to look properly mournful. And now it smashed up that he only last week, a bad one. You see, he wouldn't sit or drive himself. He's hopeless and capable. If only employ a decent, steady, well trained and will pay him for wages and leave everything to him. He'll get on all right. But he's no, he's convinced he's a bourbon bull driver. Nobody can teach him anything. And all the rest of the fellows, how many has he had? Cried a badger coolly. Thrashes on machines, asked the rat. 
Oh, well, after all, after all the same thing with Vapeau, this is the 17th. As for the others, you know, count that couch house with his, where it's piled up, literally piled up on the roof with fragments of motor cars, none of them bigger than you had. It counts for the other six, far as they could be counting for. He'd been in hospital three times, put in the mole. As for the fines he had to pay, it's simply awful to think of. Yes, that's part of the trouble, continued Rat. Toad's rich, we all know. He's not a millionaire. He's hopelessly bad driver, quite regardless of law and order. Killed or ruined. It's, it's got to be one of those two things sooner or later, Badger. Where are his friends? Won't we do something? Badger went through a bit of hard thinking. Now look here, he said at last, rather severely. Of course you know I can't do anything now. So friends assented. Quite understanding his point. The animal, according to the rules of animal advocate, is ever expected to do anything strenuous or heroic, even monotonously active during the off-season winter. All are sleepy, so much is sleep. All weather-bound, more or less, more resting, all these days and nights during which every muscle in them being severely tested, every energy kept at full stretch. Very well, then, continued the Badger. But when once the year has been has truly turned, nights are short and halfway through them, my rises and feels physically wanting to be up and down and to going doing by sunrise. It's not before, you know. Both animals nodded gravely. They knew. Well then, went on the badger. We, that is, you and me and your friend Mole here, we take the toad seriously hand. We stand on this whatever. We bring him back as reason. By force, if it may be, he be, and make him be a sensible toad. We will sleep, Rat. Not me, said the Rat, waking up in a jerk. You've been asleep well, for two or three minutes since supper, said Mole, laughing. He himself had been quite wakeful, and even li- lively, though he didn't know why. Reason was, of course, he had been naturally underground animal by birth, and breeding the situation by his house. Exactly suited him and made him feel at home. A rat who slept every night, a bedroom with the windows of which opens a breezy river, and actually felt the atmosphere still and oppressive. Well, it's time we all went, we were all in bed, said the rat badger, getting up and fetching fat candlesticks. Come along, you two. I'll show you to your quarters. You'll take your time tomorrow morning. Breakfast at any hour you please. He ducked the animals to the long room. The steam, half bedchamber and half loft, and where just went to stores, which indeed were visible everywhere, took up half the room. Piles of apples, turnips, potatoes, baskets full of nuts and jars of honey. But two little back beds on the remainder of the floor looked soft, inviting linen on them, though of course was clean and smelt beautiful lavender. A mile of all the rat, shaking off their garments in some thirty seconds, tumbled in between the sheets in great joy and contentment. Cordons for the colony badgers with introductions. Two tidemals came down to breakfast. Very late next morning found a bright fire burning in the kitchen. Two young hedgehogs sitting on the bench at the table, eating oatmeal pottage out of wooden bowls. Hedgehogs dropped their spoons, rose to their feet, and ducked their heads respectfully as the two entered. There, sit down. Sit down, said the rat presently. Go to go on with your porridge. Where were you, you youngsters come from? Lost your way in the snow, I suppose. 
Yes, please, sir, said the elder of the two, Edgehog, respectfully. Be a little bit here. They're trying to find our way to school. Mother would have us go. Was weather ever so rude? Of course, we lost ourselves, sir. But he got frightened and took to cry, being young and faint-hearted. And we, at last we happened up against Mr. Dodger's back door and made Sir Bolton look, sir. For Mr. Badger is a kind-hearted gentleman. Literally knows, I understand, said Rat. Fed himself some rashers from the side of bacon. By the mole, dropped some eggs in the saucepan. And what's the weather like outside? You needn't stir me quite so much, he added. Oh, terrible bad, sir. Tell, deep, deep the snowies, said Hedgehog. No getting out. The likes of that, your gentleman today. Where's Mr. Badger? replied the mole. She warmed the coffee pot before the fire. Master's got a new study, sir, replied Hedgehog. You said it was a show. I said as though he's going on to be going with particular business this morning, and no count was to be disturbed. Information, of course, was thoroughly understood by every one present. Fact is, when he set forth, when you live a life of ten immense activity for six months of the year, comparisons on the normal turbulence for the other six, during a later period you cannot be continually pleading sicknesses when your people about of things to be done. Scoose gets mottenness. The animals well knew. A badger, having eaten a hearty breakfast, retired his study and settled himself in an armchair, his legs up another, a red cotton handkerchief over his face. He was being busy in the usual way this time of year. Front doorbell now clanged loudly. A rat, who was very greasy with a hot pot of toast, sent Benny, the smaller hedgehog, to see who it might be. There was sound of much stamping in the hall. And President Billy turned, turned in front of her altar. They threw himself on the rats with an embrace of self, affectionate greeting. Get off, cried the rat with his mouth full. Paul, I could find you here, all right, said the altar, swiftly. Yeah, we're in a great state of alarm along the riverbank when I arrived this morning. Rat never came in home all night. Gone right out of either. Something dreadful must have happened to they said. The snow covered all, all your tracks, of course. I knew. When people were in any fix, he mostly met, went to the best badger. Or well, the else badger got to know of it somehow. So I came straight off here, through the wild wood, through the wild wood and the snow. My, it's fine coming through the snow. The red sun was rising, slumming against the black tree trunks, and then went along in the stillness every now and then, masses of snow. Little branches suddenly were flop, making you jump and run for cover. Snow castles and snow cabins. I'd spun out out of nowhere in the night. On snow bridges, terraces, ramparts, I could have stayed and played with them for hours. Here and there, great branches had been torn away by sheer weight of the snow, and robins perched and hopped on them in their perky, conceited way, just as they'd done it, had done it themselves. A wreckage string of wild geese passed overhead, high on the surveyed sky, and a few rooks whirled over the trees. Expected to flap off homewards. Discuss the expression. I met some being to ask news of my subway cross came up rubbish sitting on the stump. Clearing his silly face with his paws. He was a pretty scared animal when I crept up behind him. I placed a heavy forepaw on his shoulder. I had to cuff his head once or twice to get any sense out of it at all. I last I managed to distract from him that Marl had been seen in the wild wood. I was like by one of them. It was the talk of the barrels. He said how well Mr. Rat's particular friend was his bad fix, how he had lost his way. They were up and on, up and in, 
and shivering it around and round. And why didn't any of you do any something I asked? You haven't been blessed with brains. A hundred and hundred of you. Big stout fellows as fat as burner. Your barrow is running into the new wretches. You could have taken him in and made him safe and comfortable. Or tried to do at all events. Not us, he merely said. Do anything. Us rabbits. I cuffed him again and left him. There was nothing else to be done. Anyway, I've learnt something. If I had the luck to meet any of them... I've learnt something more, or would they? They would. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Uh, at all nervous? Asked the mole. Some of the tasty terror coming back to you. Mentioned the wobble. Nervous? The other showed a gleaming set of strong white teeth as he laughed. I'll give nerves if any of them tried anything on with me. Here, mole, find me some slices of ham. A good old chap you are. I'm frightfully hungry. I've got any, I've got amount of, any amount to say the ratty here, haven't been seen for an age. So the good-natured mole, having cut some slices of ham, set the hedgehogs to fry it, returned to his own breakfast with otter and rat. The heads together eagerly talked through the talk shop, where which is long shop and talk is endless, running on like a babbling river itself. Plate of fried ham had just been cleared and sent back for more, and the manager entered yawning and rubbing his eyes. Agreed in the morning, his quiet, simple way, with kind inquiries of every kind. I must be getting on for luncher time, you marked Otter. Better stop and have it with us. You must be hungry this cold morning. Rather, replied Otter, making a mole. This side of those greedy little young hedgehogs stifling themselves, fried ham, makes me feel positively famished. Hedgehogs were just beginning to feel hungry again of their porridge, and after working so hard at their frying, but Timmy up like the best of Badger, it, the, the, too shy to say anything. Here you are, you two youngsters. Be, uh, hey, are you two youngsters? Be off home to your mother," said the Badger finally. "I have, uh, I send some of you, one with you, to slowly away. I don't want any dinner today. I'll be bound. Gave him sixpence apiece. A pat on the head. It went off as somewhat respectful. Swinging caps and touching the forelocks. Presently all sat down to luncheon together, and the mole found himself placed next to Mr. Badger. As the other two were still steep in a river gossip, in which nothing could divert them, he took the opportunity to tell Badger how comfortable at home like it felt to him. Once very underground, he said, you know exactly what, where you are. Nothing can happen to you, and nothing can, happen, can get to you. You're definitely your own master. You can't have a consult. Anything or mine? What do you say? Things are going all the same overhead. Now let me let them. Don't bother about them. What do you want up? You go there many times when there's things are wait, oh, waiting for you. The badger simply beamed on to him. That's exactly what I say, he replied. There's no security of peace and tranquility set on the ground. And when it's your idea to get larger, you want to spend why dig and scrape. And there you are. You feel your home is too bit of too big. Up a hole or two, and there you are again. No builders, no tradesmen, no remarks. Passed on by you, my fellows, looking over your wall. Above all, no weather. Look, Mr. Brat. Now, a couple of feet. Well, the third water, and he's about to move in the, into hired lodgings, uncomfortable, unconveniently situated, horribly expensive. Take toad, I say, nothing against toad. All quite the best house. These parts of the world, the Parts of the house. There's hosing a fire breaks out. Where toads stopping, toads, toads are blown off. 
of walls sank in or cracked. Wall windows get broken by a toad, supposing the rooms are drafty. Hate to drive myself. Where toad? No, no, up and out of doors is good enough to roam about. Kick one's living in the underground. The comeback at, at last as my idea of home. After lunch in the corner, when the other two had settled themselves in the chimney corner, they started a heated argument at the subject of eels. Badger lighted a lantern, bade the mouth follow him. Close in the hall, they passed down one of the principal, principal land tunnels. Waving light the lantern gave glimpses on the other either side of the rooms, both large and small, some mere cupboards, and others merely as broad and reposing as toes dining hall. A narrow passage at right angles led them into the number corridor. The same thing was repeated, but Marl was staggered at the size, extent, and ramifications of it all. A length of the dim corridors, the solid vaultings of the crown, stone corridor chambers, a masonry elsewhere, the pillars and the arches, pavements. How on earth, Roger? He said at last. Do you ever find time and strength to do all this? It's astonishing. It would be astonishing indeed," said the Roger simply. If I had done it. But as a matter of fact, I know I had did none of it. I then cleared out the passage and chambers as far as I had need of them. There's a lot more of it all round about. You see, you don't understand. I must explain it to you. Very long ago, on a spot where you, the world was waves. Before I ever had planted so I grown up to what it is now, there was a city, a city of people. You know, where, here, where we're standing, they lived and talked, walked and talked, slept and carried on their business. Here they stabled their horses and feasted. From here they rode out of fights to drive out the trade. Drove out to trade. They're powerful people, rich and great builders. They built to last. They felt that their city would last forever. But what was become of them all? cried Arthur Mole. Who can tell? said Badger. People come, they stay for a while, they flourish, they build, they go. Is their way, but we remain. There are badgers here. I've been, been told long before the same city ever came to be. And now the badgers are here again. We are in the drawing lot. We may move out for a time. We wait and are patient. And back we come. And so it all ever be. Well, and when they want, went at last, those people, said Mole, when they went, continued Badger, the strong winds of persistent rain took the matter in hand. Present patiently, ceaselessly, year after year. Perhaps me badges too, in our small way, helped a little. Who knows? It was all down, 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 gradually. Ruin and levelling disappearance. It is all up, up, gradually, as seed grew up to saplings, and saplings of forest trees and bramble. Fern came creeping in to help loath mal rose and obliterate streams in the winter forests. Bought sand and soil to clog and could cover. In coals of time, our home was ready for us again. We moved in up before us on the surface, but the same thing happened. Animals arrived, looked at the place, looked at the place, took up their rotors, settled down, spread and flourished. They didn't bother themselves again about the past. They, they never do. They're too busy. Place is a bit but humpy and huckety. Naturally, and full of holes, but rather an advantage. Didn't bother about the future, neither the future when, when perhaps the people will move in again. A time as very well may, may very well be 
Wildwood is very well populated by now. All the usual lot, good, bad, indifferent. I name no names. It takes all sorts to make a world. I by fancy you know something about them, don't yourself by the time. Oh, I do indeed, said Mole, with a slight shiver. Well, well, said Badger, putting one of the out of there. It was your first appearance of sim, you see. They're not bad, really. We must all live and let live. I pass the world around tomorrow. If I pass the world around tomorrow. Think. You have no further trouble. Any friend of mine walks where he likes in this country. Oh, I know the reason why. When they got back to the kitchen again, they found a rat walking up and down, very restless. The underground atmosphere was oppressing him, getting to his nerves. He seemed really, really, he seemed really to be afraid the river would run away if he wasn't there to look after it. He had the overcoat on, his pistols thrust on his belt around again. Come on, Mole, he said actually, as soon as he caught sight of them. He must have set off. Life's daylight. Don't want to spend another night in the wild wood again. It'd be all right, my fine fellow, said the daughter. I'm getting, I'm coming along with you. I need every papa. I know every papa, though. If there's a head that needs to be punched, you can confidently rely upon me to punch it. You don't really, you really needn't fit. Right, added Badger presently. My advantages is run further than you think. Bold holes to the edge of the wood in several directions. I don't care if anyone knows about them. We really have to go. You shall leave by one of them. My, my shortcut. Meanwhile, make yourselves easy and sit down again. A rat was nevertheless still anxious to be off and attend to his river. So Badger, taking it up, he landed again, led them that way along a damp airless tunnel that wound and dipped part vaulted, part hewn, through solid rock for a very distance that seemed to be miles. Last time it began to show itself confusedly, through tangled growth, overhanging the mouth of the passage. The Badger, bidding them a hasty goodbye, pushed him hurriedly through the opening, Made everything look as natural as possible again. The creepers, bushwood, and dead leaves had retreated. Found himself standing on the very edge of wild wood, rocks and brambles and tree roots behind them, curiously heaped and tangled in front. A great space of quiet fields hemmed by lines of hedges, black on the snow, and far ahead a glint of familiar old river, while the windry sun hung red and low on the horizon. Dutter, as knowing all the paths, took charge of the party. They trailed out on a bee line, the distant star. Pausing there a moment and looking back, they saw the whole mass of wild wood, dense, menacing, compact, grimly set in the vast white surroundings. Simultaneously, he turned and made swiftly for home, for firelight, the familiar things it played on. The voice sounding cheerfully outside their window, the river, and they knew and trusted in all its moods that never made them afraid of any in amazement. As he hurried along, eagerly, and appreciating the moment when, when he would be at home again, among the things he knew and liked, Mole saw clearly. He was animal tilted, tilted field and hedgerow, linked to the furrow, 
vacant pasture, the lane of evening lingering lingerings, cuddly garden plot of others the assipates, the stubborn endurance of the clash of actual conflict. Went with nature in the rough, he must be wise, must keep to the pleasant places which his lines of the lane, which held adventure enough in a way to last for a lifetime.